everyone, and welcome to Education Checkup. I'm Johnette Magner, and I'm one of your hosts today. Your, uh, my other host, co-host, is Dr. Philip Brosman. He's a cardiologist, but he's also somebody who has a deep love for education and has done a lot of work in that field. And so you won't call yourself an expert, but I call you an expert. Well, that, that's very nice. And, uh, you know, I think education is the ultimately important thing to give opportunity to people uh, especially where we live. And so uh, I think all of the things that are going on in our schools, which I'm learning is more and more really positive things, uh, I'd like for the community to know. And in the areas that we're working on, they need to know that too. And, and that's why Education Checkup, I think, has been a really good tool. Uh, today, we've got a really special guest, okay, because he's, uh, um, he's been the sustained, he and Dr. Gorey have sustained leadership in this system like we've never had before in Caddo. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate it, uh, what you do, and what y'all have done in the school system in our community. Um, and, I, and I hope you'll be here for many, many more years uh, from now. But uh, it's, it's uh, you're, you are one of the most organized uh, leaders I've ever seen. And I'm very thankful for you. And uh, oh, thank you for you what you've done. But today I want, want you to talk about the community, okay? And, and uh, what you're doing in the schools that are connected with the community because it is a lot of things, okay? So I'm just gonna start out just by asking the question, uh, what community efforts on, uh, are in the brew uh, in regards to Caddo schools in the community? What's been happening as far as that's concerned? Well, so many things are happening. And I think it's really because we've had a, a, a real shift in our, our thinking at Central Office and that we are here to, to serve every part of the community. And the task is so great, unless we involve everyone in the community, we're not going to see the growth that we know students deserve. Probably one of the things that we're most excited about, I, I know um, the community we're hearing such positive uh, about is, is the harbor, ensuring that we are able to provide wraparound services for families. Um, the nice thing from the school's perspective is that teachers and principals will be able to proactively um, invite families that are just beginning, let's say struggling with possible absenteeism or a, a discipline issue or um, in need of counseling or, or whatever the, the, you know, the struggle might be. Um, the teacher or that principal can, can um, encourage the family to go and visit the harbor before the family's impacted and that child becomes truant or that child actually is, is suspended or expelled because of truancy or, or any other type of discipline infraction. And you know, the way you did it, the way it's done with the Caddo school system in a way that's sustainable over time using the use of a building that y'all have had for many, many years that wasn't getting you know great use. But now you're putting that building back to great use in a very nice, good part of town. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and made that uh, sustainable. The other thing I liked about that and you, is it's not just Caddo. It's, uh, it's open to uh, all of Northwest Louisiana, which I, I think that's tremendous on y'all's part. Absolutely. I mean, it is, it is not a Caddo Parish project. It certainly is a, a, a triage of, of, of work together. Um, and, and again, it's all built around what do families need and how do we as a community um, bring the resources together because that's what's so frustrating for principals and schools and others 
is they know that there are assets and resources available, but many times the, the families just don't know or the families have barriers in front of them, whether it be transportation or whether it be other you know, job-related issues where they can't, they can't juggle from point A to point B to point C because they need help with childcare or they need help with jobs. And so being able to send a parent to one spot, and I love the name, The Harbor. Oh, I, I mean, Kelly too. Todd, I mean, that, yeah. that's all her, but um, you, you know, it, it really is a place of safe harbor to go and get what you need so that your family can succeed. And, and you know, teachers can't know all of that either. So, uh, and I know as a doctor, I can't know all of the social service things that my patients need. Absolutely. And so the, having the ability to go to that one-stop shop, we may send them there from the hospital. I mean, uh, it, it's so important uh, as far as being able to, to handle that situation. So the, the harbor is, a, is, is something, but there's a whole lot more. Sure, I can, we, how much time do we have? We got we plenty could, of time, okay. let's right. just talk. Well, another thing that I know that, that we're very excited about is, is a program that I think they're calling it Handle with Love. And that simply is if a family is involved in a traumatic experience that let's say involves the fire department, the police department, paramedics, and there's a young child in that, in that home, the government agency will contact a designee at the schools so that we then can proactively prepare that school before that child walks on that campus. You know, think how many times a child has experienced just a traumatic event, whether it be violence in the home or in the community or a medical emergency or their neighbor's house caught on fire or whatever. If the teacher, you know, the teacher many times may not find out until that next day or after that child has exhibited behavior because of that traumatic event. Now we're able, before that child even gets off the school bus, to have the supports there to be able to wrap love and affection around. And, and many times, maybe just pull that child out of a classroom and say, you know who you need to go visit? You need to go visit that counselor. Or they may need to go visit just that person they have such a great relationship with, whether that's the security coordinator or the cafeteria manager right. or the school secretary or hopefully the principal, but someone there who they have a relationship with. You know, and we, we also talked in uh, Education Checkup recently with communities in school, which seems to be just a very unique kind of opportunity that this community has done. Can you tell us a little bit sure. about your perspective on communities in schools? Well, community in schools is a national model. It's, um, if, you, if you look, it's, it's in Washington, D.C., it's in New York City, it's in major cities all around. But what really makes our partnership with Volunteers of America different is they are the nonprofit that partnered with community and schools to bring it to um, our, our, our school system. Dr. Gorey just, you know, he was, he was very smart in thinking about, let's look at the, the schools that need the greatest support by looking at feeder patterns. And so we looked at Woodlawn High School, we looked at BTW, and we actually said, where are the feeder patterns all the way from elementary, middle, and, and into those high schools so we can wrap supports of community and schools. The community and school really kind of has two major support areas. First of all, it's anyone that needs support in the school can receive it. They're focused on things such as attendance, they're focused on behavior, parent engagement, any, any of those things, very high level. But they also, each of the um, caseworkers have a caseload of anywhere from 
20 to 30 students that they're really focused on meeting very measurable goals built around what we know keeps kids in schools. When you look at, I think it was John Hopkins that, that did the study of, of dropouts, they, they determined that a student that dropped out, dropped out because really of one of, of three things. One, it was either truancy, it was behavior, or it was academics. And so if we are identifying that child's greatest need around those three major areas, then that caseworker then works with that child to say, first of all, what's happening? What supports do you need? And builds a relationship with that family and with that child to ensure that those barriers don't get in the way for that child to have a success. So of those three things, what would you say is the number one issue in Caddo Parish? Right now, post-COVID would be attendance, without a doubt. We've had such a challenge with truancy and attendance. Um, I think a lot of that's because people were just scared to come to school for so long. Um, we've realized in education, the very first thing that we have to do is provide a quality teacher, but get kids in front of those teachers. We realized virtual instruction did not work, especially for the lower elementary, elementary and middle school especially. But um, what we wanted to make sure is, is with a safe environment, we had kids back. Communities and schools has been so helpful to us by being able to target families and being able to have those relationships because of the time they had been in school. You know, imagine that 10th grader that eight years ago began and had someone supporting them in a community and school environment in, let's say, fifth grade and then all the way through middle school, and now that child's a junior, and had gone through COVID, well, they, they're now, they have that experience with that person to say, should I come to school, or is it okay to come to school? How, and that, that mother, grandparent, guardian has a relationship with that community and school expert to be able um, just to get the assurance that, that they need to be back in school. You know, I don't think you'd be surprised to know, we've, we've interviewed a couple of those that have, have communities and school involvement through the VOA in their school, and they talk about it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's an important issue for them. Uh, beyond the academics, I think everyone knows, you know, there's a lot more to the whole child than just the academic part of the, of the equation. And schools are a big part of being part of that village that helps raise a child. Absolutely. Can, um, you know, one of the things that have been around a long time is junior achievement, and I'm mm -hmm. on the junior achievement board. I, I really do support junior achievement. I know and you And you're are. in the Hall of Fame. He's well, a laureate. Yeah, a laureate, yeah. excuse a laureate. me. Yeah, yes, right. You're one of the big Oh, yeah. Ones. Okay. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes, okay. I know. Mm -hmm. okay, but beyond that, uh, tell us a little bit about junior achievement. Yeah, we're very proud of, of the junior achievement involvement. I'm also on that board. and. Um, serve as the vice president and have been an advocate really because you know we can we can educate a child to be college and career ready but many times along that path we forget to to prepare them to handle the financial challenges that they're going to encounter when they leave the home I can remember when um, I've had three kids go to go to college and I can remember two of them bringing me home that visa card application that they were so excited <laughs> that they qualified for. And um, you know, they were excited until I started asking them some questions. And so but but you know, we all know that, you know, just financial literacy, being able to understand what a budget is, being able to understand just needs versus wants. Many times we don't take the time in education 
to have those conversations. And many times families are not having them either. And so it's not really necessarily a socioeconomic um, you know, oh, no. concern because it's in every zip code in this right. district. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we know that there are kids that are very affluent who, do, who have horrible financial you know, decision-making skills. And so what we <laughs> yeah. wanna do is make sure that everybody is elevated. So not only is the curriculum taught, but the other really nice thing I think JA does is they bring business professionals in, from the community, whether it's from the healthcare center or for you know the media um, centers that we have, or even um, you know the banking centers into our classrooms, and real professionals stand in front of our students and teach the content. And you know I, I remember talking to someone from one of our local banks here in town and, and he was shocked because he was at one of our elementary schools and he said, Keith, I just didn't know I would enjoy it as much as I did. He said that was the best part of my day and, and he signed up every year since because you know, just having that relationship with a group of students was And then these kids go home and maybe they teach their parents? Let's hope so, let's <laughs> hope so. Well, you know, uh, we've talked uh, talked a little bit about the Harbor and the community schools and nonprofits and meeting those kind of wraparound type of needs. And now you've kind of talked about junior achievement a little bit. You know, one of the key issues of building a greater school system is that the, that the school system and the business community are working together. Absolutely. So talk a little bit about how y'all have dealt with that issue of how, uh, bringing business uh, uh, into uh, uh, connections with the school system. Well, I think it's all built around trust. And I think there was trust with this administration, with Dr. Gorey and, and the team around viewing the business community as thought partners around some of the problems and also being able not only to, to be a thought partner, but bring a different perspective. You know, many times when you're faced with the same challenges day in and day out, you, you kind of miss the forest because you're surrounded by the trees. And I think that's what's so nice about our, our involvement with so many business leaders in the community of being able to sit down and say, here are the priorities. And by the way, here's our strategic plan that's driving our work. Here are the metrics that we're using to gauge our work and we're not grading ourselves. We actually have an external evaluator coming in. Here's what the projection of, of, of our work look, you know, what, this is what it's looking like now. How, how can you team with us? And first of all, are our priorities your priorities as, as the community leaders? Mm -hmm. And so that conversation has been very, very, um, very, very positive. The other thing it's done is it's engaged the community because the community wanted to be engaged and they want to, you know, they, they, are, they come in peace as well. They're wanting because they know if we are better as a school system, we are graduating healthier students, we're graduating more, you know, equipped students to go off to college and enter the careers, which is good for, the, for everyone. Right. So why is community involvement, I think you've talked a little bit about it, but putting it in perspective, why is community involvement so important? Uh, couldn't you just have a school system off on its own, doing its own thing, but, but the connection between community and school is important. And your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's important because first of all, it allows us to have lots of communication and you know I love the old statement around you know first seek to understand mm -hmm. not just seek to be right and, yeah. and many times I think so many especially in today's culture 
we fight so much just to prove our point rather than actually digging in and looking at the complexity of, of many of the challenges. Because most of the time when someone comes into my office upset about an educational issue, they only know one perspective. And that's either of that, you know, that parent or, or, or that teacher. They're not able to see the entire you know, conglomerate of, of, of the work. And so if we as a community are coming together and tackling, because we are not equipped as a school system many times to provide what is needed to solve the problem. We need the partnership with the business. We need the partnership with other government entities. We need the partnership with higher education in order to um, all sit down and come at it from really a multifaceted approach for a solution. You know, one thing I've, I, I know is that the vast majority of children born in Louisiana today are born on Medicaid. Mm -hmm. What challenges come with having a highly impoverished uh, set of students and families? And how important is community engagement when that is your population? Well, I think the, the very first thing is that the students come already behind many of their peers. So they're not ready when we look at on grade level kindergarten readiness skills, whether that's literacy or mathematics. First of all, they're walking in the door behind everyone else. And you know, when we start really looking at why, many times that's because it's not that the child is not capable, it's because they've not been given the experiences in order to achieve to their capacity. And so one of the things that we're, of course, are working with partners on is increasing that engagement from really birth. We used to say four years old. <laughs> now we want them as early as possible to have that engagement. We all know the research around just talking to a child, talking to a baby, what that does for brain development. And when those, you know, when poverty creates an environment where the mom may be working two jobs or they're being, you know, the early the child is being kept by someone who does not have the skills in order to, um, you know, to dialogue with them, then that child is going into school already behind. And unless we accelerate their options through, not only from an eight to three standpoint during the day, but work with community partners like VOA for their Lighthouse program after school to be able to help us close those gaps, then we're not going to get the children where they need to be. Let me ask you this, because uh, it's obvious, at least from these conversations we've had with Education Checkup with educators, that the pandemic has been truly a catastrophic event uh, uh, on education, on, on children's learning, on, on where they are. Um, and we've lost years and years of hard work kind of narrowing the gap and narrowing the achievement gap and all that. And, and it's, you know, it's, there's a lot of work to be done. So I guess my question is, what are you doing in terms of uh, Caddo Parish, in terms of how you spend the money, how do you work, okay, in this uh, post-pandemic era to get us as quickly back to where we are and beyond uh, over time? So how are you seeing that uh, evolve? Well, the good news is we're trending back. Okay. I mean, that's, that's good. When you look at all of the indices, um, it, it, I mean, from, from early childhood all the way up, we're seeing that, that the, the ship is turning, which is, which is good. Many times we're almost back to where we were pre-pandemic in, in, 
you know, percents of students scoring mastery or, or higher. Now, we do know there were certain subject areas that were far more impacted than others, especially mathematics. Yeah. We, we all know that that's, that's an area that we have to be able to put acceleration into, not only with time, but effort and resources. The other thing are grade levels that we really look at. Um, when you ask, well, you know, Keith, what are you, what, what are you all spending time or your, you know, the resources on in order to, to handle the situation? Tell everyone we're really focused on three things. First of all, we're focused on time, ensuring that we are extending the amount of time that students have with teachers and the very best teachers. Um, one example of that is all of our middle schools double block mathematics. We could mm -hmm. see what the test data was showing. And so what we did instead of, because there was no way we were going to catch up using a, a 50 to 53 minute math period for seventh grade. It's just not enough time in order to not only teach current content, but as well as all they missed. So we double blocked that time, which means they're getting double the amount, which is very nice. The other thing that we really looked at is making sure that all the resources we're using are the very top tier resources. They're aligned to state standards. We're no longer just pulling in additional resources just to, to fill in gaps. Everything we're doing is pointing a child toward that academic standard that, that we're wanting them to master. And the last thing's building expertise within our teachers and within our leaders on, um, not only on content, um, but, but also being able to know very specifically where a child is, what, how far do they have until they reach that level of proficiency, and then what does that individual student literacy plan say about how to get that child there. So it's really focused around time and, and a lot of our time cost money because we lengthen the school year, we lengthen the school day, um, we are double blocking um, you know, certain subject areas. So all those things cost money, so that's one way. Resources, we've, we've purchased the resources that we needed that were top tier. And then we are making sure we're investing in training and time for our teachers to go and be trained and build plans to address students' needs. You know, what I've also noticed, I think, over the years is that Caddo schools, at one point in time, had a very negative uh, relationship with the Louisiana Department of Education. Mm -hmm. And I think one of seen the connections been made there, although we may not totally agree with everything, and it shouldn't be, mm -hmm. but generally working together toward the same common purpose uh, as you were talking about just a minute ago. Yeah, they're, they're very much like our, you know, the, the business community. I mean, they, they, we have local control of our schools. We have a local school board, we have a local community that elects leaders to be able to elect a superintendent to then carry out state policy. But it's still a state policy. You know, there's a board of elementary and secondary education that sets the standards by which it should point us in the right direction. So we're better off with them, not, not fighting against them. And so what's nice is I, I think they've changed a little bit. Um, if you look at the LDOE a decade of, ago versus um, the LDOE now, we certainly are working um, better. And the nice thing, we're having very honest conversations around the real challenges, not just a lot of talk around yeah. rhetoric. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, um, what... Um, uh, may I say one other thing about the, the, the pandemic? Because, I, I, you know, it's, it was, you and I were at an event yesterday, and I know that um, one of the things mentioned that 
It was so important, I think the community needs to realize is when we talk about the attention of grade levels, we really need to focus on third and fourth graders right now. Um, we've said that for years, in, in, or the, the last, um, we've tracked these students for the last few years. I, my my um, daughter-in-law is a kindergarten teacher. She was a kindergarten teacher in one of our most impoverished schools during COVID. And I can remember her telling me how excited that she was when she finally got the students right around Christmas time to be able really to make all of those literacy connections to understanding you know, letters and understanding sounds. And she was beginning to, to work with them on blending and they were putting it all together to form words and be able to read. And guess what we did with those kindergartners? We sent them home. Yes, for a long time. For a long time. <laughs> Now, those kindergartners are our third graders right, right. now. And those first graders who were reinforcing those literacy skills and those math skills are in fourth grade right now. And so we are spending, and it's not just we in Caddo, this entire state is spending a great deal of time and focus on those students. Because when we really talk about equity, many times we always think around, you know, we, we think around, just socioeconomics, but this is an equity conversation around academic need. Right. And it is, it is something where we are launching um, summer initiatives, we're launching tutoring initiatives and time around those kids that need it the, the most. So my question to you is, what happens if you fail? Meaning what happens to those third and fourth graders, not just in Caddo, but you know, this is a national problem. Your problems are everywhere else too. What if we don't succeed at getting them to grade level? What's going to happen and, and why third and fourth? Well, we know many times in the past, even before the pandemic, um, that, that third grade was always a very important grade to look at how a child was, you know, how they were progressing when they left third grade. If they did not leave third grade reading on grade level, then we could make some very general predictions about their success in high school and post high school. Some of those projections that we could meet or we could make, is they weren't going to go to college. They weren't going to be career ready. They probably were three times as, as much to be incarcerated as they were as, as their peer who was reading on grade level. So what happens if we fail? Um, we're going to see an incredible impact on society that, that we just can't allow. So we can't fail. Yeah, just to think about it, this statistic was, has been known for a long time, but when they decide how many jail cells they're gonna need mm -hmm. okay, in the future, they look at the third grade reading scores. Exactly right. Uh, and that's how they can determine how many, how many jail cells are we gonna need. Mm -hmm. So the, it's hugely important and I think you made it that point really clear here, and I think the, su the superintendent of schools from Louisiana did mm -hmm. the same thing. Yes, so it is. Uh, it is a. It's an emergency situation. It certainly is in education, and and uh, certainly I think that uh, from what I see that uh, Caddo, Bossier, Webster, DeSoto, all Northwest Louisiana are tuned in. So, so when we're talking about community support, I think realizing that, mm -hmm. you know, if we put the chips on the table and say, you know, when, when I was a principal, one of, you know, we could talk data all day long and we could, we could have conversations around, well, if only certain percent of these kids didn't succeed, whatever, 
But you know what changed the whole conversation is when I put pictures of kids on the wall. And we looked and said, okay, if these kids aren't passing, Mm -hmm. if these kids aren't going to succeed, then are you okay with that? They were okay with it when it was just a percentage. But when they could see the kids, that's what totally changed the game. So I think what we need as a community to really consider that in today's time, we have a lot of kids in jeopardy of failing. And so we as a community must come together, which means the plea is to the community, you know, if, if, you're strugg- if your child or family member's struggling in school, go in and say, what can we do to support? Because I can promise you that principal, that teacher is willing to work with everyone in that community to make sure those students succeed. Hope you have a good day and that you'll join us next time.